Welcome to Screen Run. I'm your host, the Lady One, and I'm here with Chris Scalza. <laughs> Screen Run is the show where Chris. What and are I... you surprised? <laughs> no, it's just that as soon as I started talking, you went to take a sip out of your mug. That's why I'm I laughing at you. So thank you. Uh, Screen Run is the show. Visual jokes look, <laughs> work great on podcasts. So so well. So well. Screen Run is the show where Chris and I explore the films of a particular artist or franchise, and in season three, we are discussing the films of John Carpenter. Today. We're going to talk about 1987's Prince of Darkness. And we are absolutely thrilled to be joined by YouTuber extraordinaire. It's Jeff from Films at Home. Hi, Jeff. Hello. Thank you for having me. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, we're so Thanks excited for joining us. Yeah, we're very excited. I think what it was, I was, I was reading one of your tweets. Oh, boy. B- before Twitter started be to careful. crash, I think. And you had, you had mentioned something about... Liking Prince of Darkness, and then I reached out to Juan, and I'm like, "Oh, I think we got an I got we got an option here. We oh, got a potential possibility for sure. I mean, just John Carpenter in general. You would have had me at that, um, but yeah, Prince of there Darkness is one of my favorites of his. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself. What is your show all about? You have the YouTube show. You have the podcast. Break it down. What is Jeff? All yeah. About? So, um, Films at Home is just it's a YouTube channel. I started. Oh, about six years ago now. I can't believe it's been that long, but um, I pretty much just like I collect movies. So I don't know if people still know these terms like DVD and Blu-ray. Um, <laughs> th- these are not on Netflix. These are discs. You have to put them in somewhere and watch them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> but I still have those and I was collecting them for a long time and I was like, you know what? nobody's really talking about this stuff at a level that I enjoyed. So I went and started it. And so that's pretty much what the channel is. It's all just like Blu-ray and now 4k content and collection videos and talking about, you know, my love for movies, but I guess in this like physical media, Blu-ray DVD format. And then, yeah, like last, just about a year ago, I started a podcast where I just sort of interview people in the industry of home entertainment or other collectors or people who work on restorations mm-hmm. cool you know cool things like that that again people i don't think got enough attention so i figured i'd yeah. give them an outlet <laughs> no i'm with you i'm a big uh, physical media guy myself and my other show uh, uh the first run we have a whole segment which is basically our physical media picks of the week and we talk basically run down like the big things you need to look out for mm-hmm. so i am uh firmly in your camp as well <laughs> one so, of us yeah 
I think yeah, yeah. you guys are like really, really keeping like Scream Factory in business. Like you guys are oh yeah all over all over those 4Ks and the new releases and yeah, Chris Chris is my source for what's coming out. That's that's where I go. And there's a lot. I'm I've been <laughs> yeah I've been I can't tell you I'm a big I know you like horror and I am super excited for the Cauldron uh, 4K of City of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. I pre-ordered that basically that special edition that I think only Diabolic had along with I think Cauldron directly. So I think that's I think that's coming out at the end of the month, March. So I'm very excited. Like the 28th and shits or something. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. But I cannot wait for that. I uh, love me some uh, Italian horror gore goodness. Oh, so. Ben, you've been loving it lately with what everyone's been doing. Oh, There's yeah. so many of these little companies that are doing so much cool stuff right now. So it is. It's, it's a great time to get involved in this world if you haven't yet. Yeah. No. It is the golden yeah. age in a weird way of this. The stuff that's coming out, you would you'd be I just if you had told me 10 years ago, you know, I would not believe yeah. you, you know. And so, yeah. Great stuff. So, I don't want to waste too much of your time talking about the stuff you always talk about. <laughs> Let's pick your brain here a little bit about John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, the second film in his Apocalypse trilogy. What is your history with the film? Like, when did you first see it? What was that experience like for you? Break that down. Yeah, I think the the first time I saw it was probably, I guess, to go back to physical media, I bought a Shout Factory, (laughs) Scream Factory Blu-ray release. I I knew Carpenter from, like, Halloween. I knew the thing. Um, You know, I knew knew the basics, but, like, I hadn't dove into the deeper cuts and not the print yeah. mm-hmm. prince of darkness is like kind of a mid-tier cut it's not super deep but it's not one that people immediately think of so mm-hmm. i uh just like started buying all of his films and i was like okay that they have this super cool blu-ray release so i'm gonna buy it and I, I watched it and like it's that it's that weird atmospheric like cosmic horror that he can do so <laughs> well sometimes that sold me like that was a lot of fun the first time watching it and then the the second time I watched it was when it came out on 4K and I, I was doing a review for my own channel and I was like, oh, this is an exciting review. I actually get to watch something I, I like, which <laughs> sometimes can be few and far between. So, uh, and it just looked fantastic and I got a whole new appreciation for the movie then uh, watching it and then I just, I rewatched it the other day again um, and I just, it's it's got infinite rewatchability, which is really cool. Uh, that's one of my favorite things about it. Oh, absolutely. So uh, I, I'm I'm getting the vibe and then this. You've come to this relatively later in your life then, right? Like if you bought up the Scream Factory Blue, right, the, your first viewing of that was probably in the last, what would that be, eight years? Um, yeah, Ten I think years? you're spot. I was going to say 2014, 15, somewhere in there was the first time I had seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now you're a young, you're a young buck there. So you're a young <laughs> kid. So I'm not, I don't know how old you would be at that point. I watched this as a kid. In probably a lot of my horror goes back to, and I know I'm dating myself here, with a USA Saturday Nightmares, which they used to run horror films every Saturday night on USA. Pretty self-descriptive there. (laughs) But it's, um, yeah, for the life of me, though, I can that was so long ago. I can never remember if it was that or if I watched it on HBO. I don't remember, but I just remember watching this as a kid and thinking it was just one of the coolest things. And (laughs) I think it would help develop my love for synth music too. Carpenter's music, a lot of it has a big influence on me. And then also just growing up in the eighties. But um, yeah, this was a big film for me as a kid. I remember just really liking it, but never really been able to identify what it is. There's just the whole thing is just oddly kind of off-putting the entire film yeah. mm-hmm. you know and it has this weird almost 
Italian kind yeah. of surreal horror feel to it. Oh. And I know one of the big reasons for that, I guess, right, is the a lot of times it's the dubbing where the fact they wouldn't really what record the audio. Right. They would add it in later. Right. So everything always felt kind of off. Mm-hmm. And I think Prince of Darkness kind of has that vibe to it. But yeah, I've been a fan of this since I was a kid, probably like 12, which is we're talking 30 years ago now. Uh, what about you, Juan? What is your experience with Prince of Darkness? I watched this movie yesterday. Oh, so why? I can't get much fresher than that. Yeah, me, me so and Prince of Darkness for you at all? go way back. You know, like, yes, but not in a bad way. Like, my mm-hmm. notes are, like, t- just immediate, the 80s vibes are there. And, like, in the best possible way. So it was, yeah, it's dated. It's very 80s. But, like, pff, so? <laughs> like, I knew what I was yeah. getting myself into. And I think that's also kind of the benefit of the way we're going through his career film by film in order is like I'm in the mood for it. I just watched Big Trouble in Little China like a week and a half ago. Three times. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's that's where I'm living. So I'm happy there right now. I did like <laughs> the both of you. I just rewatched this again for the first time in a little while. But the problem is I should state that I, I sat down and actually watched it. Prince of Darkness has been like a background movie for mm. me for a very long time. I haven't like sat and really just didn't have my phone open, didn't wasn't on my laptop, wasn't doing laundry, whatever the case may be. <laughs> I sat and watched it for the first time in a long time. And I was really just surprised how much more I enjoyed it. And I'm curious, <laughs> Jeff, for you, I think one of the really interesting things in this is Carpenter's take on cosmic horror. Because <laughs> he does a different... He puts the kind of devil possession kind of thing, I think, on its head. Yeah. It does something very different with that. What are your kind of? What do you think about all that? Um, yeah, I mean, he he does it in his own sort of John Carpenter way, right? Like he does sort of, <laughs> yeah. sort of does everything. He has his own style to to every movie. I mean, I I imagine, I guess he kind of created slashers, but like even the, even Halloween stands on its own within that. That that genre and the thing is its mm. own sort of sci-fi horror, and then he nails the cosmic horror with Prince of Dark. Yeah, he just it's his own world, it's his own vibe, and I just I loved the, his take on it because it's not it was like the devil possession stuff was there, but it's not like in your fit like the devil is what green swirling you know liquid like you know you, yeah, you, you never not, really see geez. the devil or it's, it's not the biblical devil yeah. it's it's more because he was reading what some book at the time on quantum mechanics yeah, and he was fascinated by all of that and i love just this idea that it's not so much like this malevolent evil spiritual force yeah. it's more like some molecular cosmic anti you know ref- the other reflection of good. I don't, I don't yeah, know. It's really interesting thoughts. It's in, a completely in abstract view of like what, how, how Satan would live on earth and exist. And he's, he's a green liquid misty blob. <laughs> right. And it's like, that's right. only Carpenter would do that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and one of my favorite effects in eighties horror of all time is that canister of swirling mm-hmm. green, I don't know what it is aesthetically. Maybe it's because it's like the color green. I don't know. But I just, just how it speeds up as the film progresses. And then I don't know why. Yeah. What do you think about yeah. the cosmic stuff? Well, I mean, it's it's weird. It's weird and I like it. I love how through all the films we've watched from him so far, even when it's super, like if you just explained, yeah, it's a car that murders people. Or yeah, it's it's he was a little boy, he just killed his sister. Like none of this stuff really 
has too much backstory. It's all just kind of like weird and sounds so strange when you just say it in a sentence. But it all feels so grounded because of the way he shoots things that like it doesn't feel like so far away from you. It feels like, oh, yeah, that could that could be in a basement of a church down the street from. Yeah, absolutely. Like all of it feels very possible and realistic despite being just absolutely batshit. Like, I don't know how he does it. <laughs> yeah, and he ju- he jumps right into it, too. Like, that's the thing is he doesn't... Oh, yeah. He doesn't waste any time with even... There's not even, like, a whole lot of lore or anything here. It's just like, nope, the green goo is Satan. You guys are going to accept that, and we're going to move into the next part of the movie where we try to, yeah. you know, decipher. Like, it's, there's no yeah. there's no real craziness. He jumps right in and starts telling his story, which doesn't allow you to kind of even recognize sometimes how batshit it's going. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. It just right? goes. What are your thoughts on the opening of the film? I, one of the things I really have always appreciated about Prince of Darkness is the juxtaposition. I, is that the right word? But just the way the credits roll as he provides this kind of information mm. about the different students at the school, at the college, who, of course, are all in their mid-30s. I was going to mention <laughs> but that. <they're>, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a very extended kind of credit sequence yeah. where he's feeding us all this information. But I think you're right, Jeff. I think that adds a sense of propulsion or okay. forward movement for the entirety of the film because we're we're getting information like right away yeah like he mm-hmm. doesn't waste any time opening credits are also introduction to your entire cast of characters and we're going like the next time you see them they're going to be in the basement trying to figure out what's going on with satan here <laughs> so yeah, yeah it's it is, it is interesting how he and it's kind of all of his movies just kind of jump right in there's there's no wasted yeah. time which is nice and they're short which is also I love a good short mm-hmm. horror movie that gets to the point in 90 <laughs> yeah. minutes and that's why yes. I think that's why I've always been drawn to his stuff. He just get he gets you there but also does yeah. it with these cool credits and the synth music. I don't think the music mm-hmm. stops for like the first 30 minutes of the movie he doesn't no. shut the score yeah, no. off. It just keeps <laughs> pounding at you which is really cool to build the the atmosphere and the tension too. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a master of setting a vibe. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let me just um, quickly kind of give a, a tiny bit of background, just a smidge Please. on uh, how this movie came to be. So like we've talked about all season, The Thing and and particularly the last episode we did, Big Trouble in Little China, critical, meh, box office, meh, uh, you know, history proves him right. And we appreciate those movies for what they are. But really, it was not not the mood. And um, when he tried to do something different with Starman and then, you know, even Christine for like the one for you, one for me kind of deal, they still weren't really lighting the world on fire. So John Carpenter is kind of sick of the bullshit. And uh, as you kind of talked about last episode, Chris, he's he's on his way out of the studio system. He's going to do his own thing. And um, his own thing that he was into was some weird quantum physics and dark matter and just some strange shit. So uh, he is the writer of this film. Uh, under a pseudonym chris do you uh want to explain a little pseudonym for us well yeah so he he named himself what martin quartermass in this film um because it was, was it two films ago when he was like my god i can't yeah. keep having my name i think you said it was christine, christine. yeah john carpenter presents christine written by john carpenter directed by john carpenter music by john, john carpenter you know he's, he's like, I, I, i'm not that much of an asshole i can't keep having my name show up so he started to use pseudonyms yeah um but i will say i did watch this with the commentary too and there's a running joke throughout the commentary that I was not a big fan of where um, the guy who is with in the commentary and I wrote it down and now I'm blind. I don't it's, it's gone from my notes. You'll find it. You'll find it. Which is just in bear. There it is. Peter Jason. Nice job, Chris. Oh. 
he re- constantly refers to like I think it happens like four or five times in the commentary. So, well, yeah, I don't know. what do you think about the script? Maybe we should ask we should ask Martin Quartermast about this. Uh. And Carpenter kind of laughs, and but it's just this running gag doesn't really go anywhere. I have to say, <laughs> out of all the commentaries, this was probably my least favorite. Oh, you just of the Carpenter Russell. commentaries. That's okay. Well, yeah, him, yeah, her, him, and Russell. It's just that's a <laughs> unbeatable combination. Yeah. I don't know, Jeff. Did you listen to it with the commentary at all? You're not in your head. I don't I, know if maybe you I haven't chance. listened to that. Co- I was not a, the okay. Kurt Russell ones are excellent, so <laughs> I'm not surprised that this kind of falls behind that. But uh, yeah, no, I haven't listened. I'll have to. I mean, is it worth it? Sounds like it's a little <laughs> cheesy. You could just give us the highlights yeah. throughout. You get to hear Carpenter, you know, fire up his lighter four or five times. <laughs> oh boy. Um, they have a nice conversation about lighting that I appreciated, okay. but no, it's, it's, <laughs> no, there's some inappropriate stuff too, given the, like the scene where the two women, one woman kind of spits the evil possession juice in the other woman's mouth. Yeah. It makes her like, like an Isle of Lesbos joke, which, you know, and it's, again, it's Carpenter. He's one of his 50s, 60s and records it, I guess, whatever. Yes. Okay. Um, the little things. You know, here and there, that's somewhat interesting, but not much. Like, one interesting thing is Jameson Parker, right, who plays, I guess, our lead. I think one of my favorite things about this is that it's got a very, I don't know if strong is the right word. There are some weak points. But the ensemble <laughs> cast, I think, is at least engaging and entertaining. Yeah. And that Jameson mm-hmm. Parker, who played um, Brian Marsh, I guess he'd hurt himself. He hurt his leg badly on an episode of Simon and Simon oh. and refused to get it fixed or looked at. And he was, for the rest of his life, has been in pain about it. And he was like, he would go lie down in his in his trailer in between shots of the film and stuff. And it's weird little stuff like that. I don't know. I, I'll be honest with you, Jeff. I didn't find it particularly engaging. So. <laughs> well, that's good to know. Well, yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah. You're saving us all, all the time. We can all <laughs> right. just like really, really get into the movie itself. Uh, you can just listen to the score instead of them talking. Oh, yeah. Jeff, you watched the 4K of this, yeah. right? All right. I did, too. I think it looks great, but can you confirm something or am I going crazy? Is Probably. Brian Marsh's mustache longer on one side than it is the other? <laughs> I could swear that his mustache is longer, I think, on the left side than the right. And then it, it, I'd never noticed it before, <laughs> but my, I think you and I have similar TVs. I think you have an OLED. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I do too. And it looks, I mean, I think the picture looks fantastic. It's the best I've ever seen oh, in yeah. this movie. Look. Yeah. It's incredible. But. I notice little things like that, particularly though I kept jumping out at me every time. I'm like that mustache is longer on the other side. I, I did not know. I was so distracted by how old Brian Marsh was and his yeah. kind of weird, or his weird pursuit of the the girl at the beginning. And I'm dropping the character's name here, but that, I don't know any character names, it, honestly. That was uh, Catherine Danforth. Yeah, Lisa. It was Watt. just kind of that was. He was like hiding behind the tree, and he's like, "Ah, oh, she's." <laughs> She's got a man, and then two minutes later, he's in bed Never with her. Mind. Yeah, like I, I, I don't know. He Brian Marsh kind of cre- that character. He kind of creeps me out. The age, he's forty five years mm. old. He's still in college. <laughs> he's super senior. Like no. that whole thing was the beginning of the movie. Is a weird vibe with that guy. So I wouldn't be surprised Absolutely. if he had a lopsided mustache. That would fit. Yeah. Well, that's that's a hard hitting uh, discussion. You come to screen run for is the. Uh, yeah. Good times. Yeah, I, I mean, the only thing I really noticed about him is that he wasn't Tom Atkins. Because I was like, why isn't he Tom Atkins? Mm. Like, why? Oh. Why isn't he Tom Atkins? I don't understand. He would yeah, have been perfect. Add, yeah, if you're going to cast a guy like, in his 30s or 40s, why not just throw with a Tom sweet Atkins? stash? Like, why isn't it Tom Atkins? That was that's my note 
on uh, on his characters should have been Tom Atkins. Missed opportunity. Super. Uh, but anyway, uh, Shep Gordon is one of our producers on this film. He's one of our executive producers. He was just getting into producing horror movies. He's Alice Cooper's manager. Just big, uh, big fan of weird shit. And he actually was who introduced Alice Cooper to John Carpenter. They get to chatting. Uh, so that was kind of in the process of getting this together. And John Carpenter loved the bit that Alice Cooper was doing on stage at his show um, using the mic stand to impale a human. And uh, he was like, can I put that in my movie? And Alice Cooper was like, yeah, but you got to put me in your movie. And he's like, uh, sweet. And you will get to do the killing and you can be the head weirdo. Um, so that's why Alice Cooper is in this movie. And I think I can't. Is it the UK version where he's like the cover on the I think it's the DVD. Like it's Alice Cooper's face. He is presented as the Prince of Darkness on uh, one of the regions of the DVD. So and he's got a song on uh, the soundtrack, which we can get to in Score Corner. So that's uh, that's a bit of our background on who's in it, what's going on with it. But again, this was an independent film, no studio nonsense, low budget, only cost three million dollars to make. There are no after effects like this stuff is all practical effect, matte paintings tricks in frame uh, i love i love good map paintings yeah this was really really being efficient it came out october 23rd 1987 right before halloween and um i i hate it when horror movies don't come out right before halloween like if it was anywhere in the range i get really irritated by it but it absolutely kicked ass it made 4.6 million dollars this opening weekend debuted at number two behind fatal attraction which was the highest uh. grossing movie of the entire year like that's pretty good so it made $14 million through its entire theatrical run, which is more than Big Trouble in Little China made. Boo. But pretty exciting. Pretty exciting here. So that's a little bit of our background on how it started, how it went, and uh, now we can just get back into the vibes and the synth and the weird goo. I actually wrote down in my notes, I'm like, has this ever been a haunted house at like Halloween Horror Nights oh, at Universal Studios? Wouldn't this be. be the best? Yeah. Like, it's a Universal bought it, so they've got the distribution. So this would be such a good haunted house. You could have all the weirdos in their 80s clothes, like, pawing at you, being all possessed. You could have, like, the big green. Yep. It would be such a the, good haunted house. The whole Have Alice Cooper perform? I mean, at least yeah. playing it in there. He could still Come do on. it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's... I need that to happen at some point. Now, I'm terrified of haunted houses. I would never want to go in it. I, <laughs> I hate them. I don't like being afraid. But it would be really cool, right? Yeah, they don't do enough of that. with the. It's always the new whatever they're, they're newly yeah. promoting. I, I would love an old school. Get, give me some of those old 80s horror movies as the horror. I mean, they do them, but it's always like, yeah, it's Halloween. There's Michael Myers. Yeah. Get, get some of the, the yeah. cosmic stuff would be like, really this cool. This would the, be uh, so cool. And the un, the Undead Breakfast Club and all their outfits. and <laughs> Yeah, that would be great. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, like that whole, the whole basement set. You could build that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I need that to happen. But um, like we kind of talked about before, marrying together the science and mm-hmm devil question mark because he's very adamant that it's not really about the devil he says that in the commentary a few times too yeah like it seems like he's like no 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 no. it's not really the devil and when i watched it i kind of my interpretation before i looked anything up because i went in stone cold knew nothing saw no trailer knew absolutely nothing and um my interpretation of it is that it's not that it's the devil 
It's that we call this thing the devil. It's like religion, kind of Christianity was like built around the idea of this thing is evil. And like, I was like, oh, it's a crazy space alien. And so was Jesus. And like, okay, sure. That's where it's all from. It's from another dimension, another galaxy, whatever. But we formed our own religion around it rather than it's like, oh, this is really the devil. That's kind of how I took it. So it's not that it's based on your religion. It's your religion's based on this, which is a real mindfuck. No, <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm with you. I mean, when if you look at the if you look, I was thinking like, yeah, if you I kind of had the same vibe. Like if you look at that dream sequence, they all have and they're talking about being from the yeah. year one million, you know, whatever it is. I mean, yeah, that was that was kind of like this was placed here by something either millions of years in the past or millions of years in the future. Yeah. Like some, it's, it's like the ancient aliens type deal that yes. like, <laughs> like way before we had the guy with the crazy hair talking, you know, pyramids and stuff <laughs> like he was kind of on this. Like somebody was like, yeah. like, yeah, we don't know how to explain it. So you call it the devil. Like, you know, we don't know how to explain the sun. So we call it a God and you know, all that, exactly. all that kind of, yeah. Vibe. yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I mean, I, I was, I was in the same vibe that this is like not, it's not fully religious. There's some sci-fi stuff happening here. Yes. Yeah. That that for me, that's always the scariest stuff because that's because hey. you know I believe in science. So. Who knows? <laughs> There's orbs flying all over the place these days. Yeah, I mean, man. That's a good point. I any one of these way. could drop a green goo on us, and then we're in trouble. Yeah, you really gotta watch out for that Satan juice. <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> the Nickelodeon slime. <laughs> So I was watching the, one of the, the things the commentary made me think about, and I'm curious, Jeff, your opinion on this, is that I historically have kind of added a lot of, or interpreted at least, a lot of depth and interesting things into Carpenter's work, right? And there are some interesting interpretations on what the Prince of Darkness is about. Mm-hmm. How, like, there's a critic with John Kenneth Muir who felt like it was about the AIDS epidemic oh. and the fact that... Dennis Dunn's character, Walter Fong, there is, is, is gay. And there are scenes, too, where like he's literally trapped in a closet mm-hmm. trying to get yeah. out, right? Um, but then I hear some stuff like on the commentary, and it makes me think, I don't know, if, is all this stuff just kind of unintentional? Or, or can I be generous and say it's his subconscious? So what it is, I pull the clip from the commentary. And I wanted to play it for you, for you both to get your opinion on it. Because he starts talking about some of the ideas in the film. Okay. And his reason for choosing it, I thought, was made me think that maybe these are happy coincidences or maybe he's subconsciously. I don't know. Here, take a listen. This is where everyone has the dream. Everyone in the vicinity, right? Yeah, I really get the It's kind of a weird uh, What was that? What was that concept? What uh, Everyone having the same dream. It's a warning from the future. So backwards in time. And is it caused by a proximity with, with the cylinder or... Uh, who, why are you asking me these questions? I don't have answers to them. It's a we damn should, dream. We should, have, we should have Quatermass here so we could ask him. God, what do you want? <laughs> asking me things like that. I don't know. This is like a good idea. <laughs> That's it. Right? Like, yeah. I think what, half the time he's just like, he's got a sketch pad and he goes, oh, you know what would be cool? What if we did this? Yeah. I- I think I think that's right with him. from what I know about him <laughs> and other other interviews he's done when he's talked about other movies. I think that's pretty much it. Like he he makes very interesting movies. He shoots things in a very interesting way. He has interesting stories. But at the end of the day, no matter like 
I, I've, I believe I've heard him answer this question in a similar way to Halloween. Like, well, what's the, what's the mythology? He's like, well, it's a guy who kills a bunch of babysitters. What do you mean? Like he's a serial killer. He <laughs> broke out of mental hospital and he kills everybody. And it's like, and I think that's why, and they tried to get all mythical with like sequels. And he was like, ah, I don't really like those. He's just a guy who kills babysitters. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's it. And I think, I think he's very, yeah. very straightforward with that. And then we all, yeah. we all kind of find things because he does put together mm-hmm. these visually like interesting concepts. And then, you know, you're always, you're like, this guy's got to be smarter than just being like, <laughs> no, 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 it's just a dream. I don't know. I thought it was cool. You're always looking for something more because he's such a genius. And I feel like he doesn't even. He doesn't like to recognize that fact, too. He's very humble in a lot of stuff he does. So, yeah, I think I think it's us finding things. And he's like, it's green goo from outer space. There's dreams. <laughs> Everyone close to the stuff kind of gets wacky. It's kind of how it goes. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Like, that's his answer to everything. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Juan? Yeah, I, I love that he's just like, he made a decision, and that's it. And he's like, he's not going to pontificate on what it means and how it's a reflection on society or whatever he's like no that's what it is it's cool you don't get it i don't know what to tell you like it that's it like you can you can assign as much meaning to it as you want and i think that's a a big part of movies in general right is like what does it mean to you how does this apply to your life where do you see yourself in this picture and being like less specific about it i think that's for the better like, don't mm. don't tell me exactly what this is an allegory for. Let me just watch it. And if I see an allegory, I'll be like, oh, interesting. And if I don't, then like that was a story. Fine. It is like you said, Jeff, is a very humble way of being like, yeah, that's what I made. And is what it is. Yeah. I mean, in, in, at its core, that mm. is the whole, I think, point of art, mm. right, is yeah. for you to develop your own interpretation of what it means. Mm. And you have artists like, you know, of course, my favorite, and I don't, every time I can bring it up, I'm always excited to say it, like David Bowie, who would basically agree to whatever you felt what your interpretation of his song was. He would say something, but he'd tell you a different story if you asked him like a month <laughs> later about the song, right? He was very mercurial about that. And I think that Carpenter, like we talked about it a lot this season, just how economical he is in his filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not flashy. He's he's here to tell you a story, and he's <laughs> going to do it the the cleanest, easiest kind of way possible. But you're right; there is an inherent artistry to his work that I wonder sometimes if he even just can't get out of the way of. Part of mm-hmm. me feels like if he could avoid doing certain <laughs> things, he would. But because he just wants to tell you the story. Yeah. But he's still the art still comes through in all of that, which is then what brings us, as you said, kind of Jeff, to have our own interpretations of it. So I was just listening to that commentary when I think just how unassuming and kind of humble he is about it. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's just I thought it was a good idea. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. A lot of the I don't know. What the hell do you want me to say? Like, you know, yeah, whatever you think that he, he does a lot. of Exactly. That. Yeah. So this for me, this film I think is the beginning, even though I love Prince of Darkness, I do. I feel that this is kind of the beginning of, is it a lack of care or intention on the performances? We just start seeing some weaker, I think, performances in his over beginning here. Mm. Uh, There's a couple of them that I think are really... I just like mind bendingly bad. Like this one, whenever I see this scene, I am just, I am beside myself. You're out of your minds. This is a joke. This is caca. <laughs> and it doesn't end, right? Listen, it it, it tells them to come back or come keep coming. Yeah. And then this just beautiful delivery. Caca. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I I mean, I did write it down. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then, and then you have Dennis Dunn as Walter Fong, who I think is in a different movie. Yeah. Like, I almost feel like he thinks he's making the big trouble in Little China sequel. Yeah, it's like a horror he, comedy for him. He was, yeah. he was, he was an issue for me because I just watched Big Trouble in Little China and spent the whole time thinking about how cool he was, how smart he was, how capable he was. And then in this movie, I was like, he kind of sucks. Like he's whining and he's annoying. And then you know they spend hours, presumably hours, trying to dig him out of that closet <laughs> because they say it's going to take hours. And then it is dark by the time they're trying to do it. And then as soon as he starts screaming, they just open the door to. Tr- I was like, "Are you kidding me? You've been digging a hole in this wall for hours." I was like, "I ca- I can't with him. I found him to be very annoying in this. Probably more annoying because I enjoyed him so much last movie. So I." Mm. I was not feeling Dennis done this time around. I'll tell you that the the caca thing is one of my favorite parts. Of, <laughs> I, I don't, I can't think of another movie that uses caca. I this is caca. It, I, yeah, it's incredible. Like that's not that's, that's just wild. that's just not the slang term that gets used that often. <laughs> You're in a rated R movie. John, what are we worried about <laughs> right here? No. I, I was so, that cracks me up every time he does it. And the little whisper is so good. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, it, and he ends up that, God, I'm blanking on which actor his character name is. But that one of my, fa- my, my favorite effects from the film is when he's the bug version of him. Oh, when he's like disintegrating. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and he has his pray for death thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah, that is exceptional. I think it's really a, a great effect. But all I can think about though is caca, <laughs> and I just. It is. But I'm glad you enjoy uh, it. It makes it gives me joy, Jeff. I would, you can get I would love for somebody to point out another movie that uses caca as well as this one. <laughs> I, I think I think this is the top caca movie. It's got to be. It's got to be. <laughs> so, what about any of the other like effects? Like, I also think that the makeup effects for Kelly as she's transforming to become the mother of whatever this thing is going to be as her body slowly degrades Ugh. i guess i don't know i think another, i think another great moment too in the yeah movie. little uh she goes a little freddy krueger on everybody with the yeah the, the makeup she's just I, I don't know burnt or melting to, she's like melting from the inside out yeah kind of. like really well done i i love that one the 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 effect with the uh and i was reading about this earlier how they did the the kind of hoof through the mirror was really cool because mm-hmm. that is practical. They, they, he used mercury to do that. So yeah. um, that's what they used actually for all of the, the mirrors, I guess, just liquid mercury. Mercury, Which yeah. I'm like, ooh. Um, uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, they yeah, was, yeah. was anybody on set to clear that one? But, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was independent, so I guess not. <laughs> it, was, it was up to him. Um, but, yeah, he, I mean, that's always one of my favorite things about him is he – Everything remains practical. Like even yeah. he he could have done some crap eighties, you know, shitty CGI if he wanted to, yeah. but but why? Like it looks it looks so no, badass looks, to not do that. It looks mm-hmm. so good. In particular that that compact shot where like she's looking in it, it like it's just she, it's mm. just her crazy eyes in the little mirror of this compact. I just thought that was so cool. And she's she's very scary, but I did I found it a little funny with just like her incredibly 
blonde 80s bangs over like this monster face (laughs) it was just like the juxtaposition was a little funny to me but yeah she got a skin peel that just went horribly (laughs) wrong like oh man but the effects are great and especially i think probably my favorite shot in the whole movie is where uh again i've retained no character names uh ginger lady is going when she dives into the mirror and it's that shot of her sideways like being sucked down um and i think they she reaches back yeah i think they said they filmed that in a pool like at night like so it's just straight up like her in a dark pool and it is so scary and so beautiful at the same time i think that's like my favorite shot in the whole film i just love Mm. that moment it's yeah, scary. I I dove into the I I have this I have this thing I do every time I watch a movie. Again, I dive into the IMDb trivia section. Yes, so this is where I'm, this is where I'm pulling <laughs> all these fun facts. I'm not this smart. Please, what do you I'm got? Pulling these all from there. But there was there was one about that scene too that I guess that actress she was terrified to do that, <gasps> and really? I guess oh. Carpenter like apologized to her years later for making her do it because she thought hmm. she was like going to drown like they were just <gasps> she was like diving into this dark pool and being pulled yeah. you know pulling somebody down with her and yeah just terrified i guess that was that was in the trivia notes so it is a very beautiful scene and well done because it is actually terrifying for everybody involved yeah. yeah right yeah it's it's so scary and i actually i even loved the moment before it like as she's deciding she's gonna do this mm. that felt very real and not like your horror movie like i'm gonna save the day it was she was like oh my god i can't believe i'm gonna die like this and then she like goes for it like she's so upset but she's going to do it because she's gonna save everyone and uh for me it drags a little bit for a while when it's just like new person gets possessed then they kill them and then they're on they're alive again but we're trying to kill them like it just kind of goes on for a little bit but i feel like the beginning and the end are so strong that i just kind of like can move past that yeah, I, I felt that a little bit too. Rewatching it, not remembering the pace as well. There, there's, there's a little <laughs> yeah. bit of some. De- there's some dead space in the middle, where I was. You're kind of waiting for something more to happen than just mm-hmm. possession, I guess. You know, and, and you, yeah. ca- you kind of get that with like her melting, pregnant, whatever what was going on there. <laughs> it's um, so strange. But you kind of expected like that to kind of ramp up. And and it does at the very end, but yeah, it was just sort of like possess, kill, possess, kill. Uh, you know, it, it does it does slow down a little bit, almost like he lost a little bit of creativity, I guess, yeah. in the, in the middle somewhere. But he had the he had how he wanted it to start, and he had how he wanted it to end, and he had a little mm-hmm. bit of a hard time just kind of bridging those two. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Well, I was just gonna say the middle of it is what feels the most generic, yeah, and the least carpenter of it all is just sort of like one by one wipe out a character and just kind of keep going with it so uh that just it didn't feel as creative it didn't feel as inventive it just kind of felt more standard so according to the commentary to the death of tom bray the alice cooper bike impalement oh um that was added later really i guess they would yeah they just they needed to add a death a little earlier on because i guess things were dragging too much so Bray came on at later on, and then they filmed that scene to give it a little more pop in the beginning. So that's interesting to me because I actually wrote down, because once that happened, I paused it and was like, how long into this movie did it take for somebody to get murdered? Because I know like the priest dies, but he's like, he just dies. 37 minutes. Yeah. That happens 37 minutes in. I was so like, that wasn't in the beginning. <laughs> Originally, it, was, it wasn't even in the film. That's crazy. How does it take us 37 minutes to violently kill somebody in a movie about... <laughs> Like Satan juice 
right. like what are oh, we? I don't like that. It's... I don't like that at all. <laughs> so, well, Jeff's all excited yeah. for Jameson Parker to be stalking Lisa Blonde around campus for you know twenty minutes. And uh... I was, yeah, I was really enjoying whatever that weirdly long intro to the worst <laughs> porno ever was. <laughs> Did you see on the? I think it's it's on the Blu-ray. They have the TV intro, which speeds up that that whole introduction. And instead of taking like twenty minutes, it takes like eight. Hmm. And they cut out like a lot of the scenes. Uh, and one of them, though, they I think probably ruined the film for the TV version, mm-hmm. where they make it like it's all in in Brian Marsh's dream. So they they go from the class with Wong. Mm-hmm. To um, the him in bed, and they actually do the doodly 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 like the waves of the screen. Mm-hmm. And the next thing we go, we know we're doing the, we're in the, the ch- we're going to the church. Uh, yeah. Oh. So they make it like the whole thing's a dream in the TV version. It's a weird move because you'd think like TV editing is just about censorship, not about pretending the whole movie didn't happen. Yeah. So <laughs> it's typically <laughs> it's like, that's it's it. like it's a little little over the top with the editing there so yeah i i saw i looked up some of those clips to see like what the difference was um mm-hmm. i'm always fascinated by the just absolute butchering that they do to put something on television well jeff you ever see the thing tv intro when they introduce all the characters yeah so i was gonna say, i actually have i have a soft spot for the tv edits a little bit because that's <laughs> that's how i first saw most of these was that makes sense, on a- yeah. amc fear fest in october like I saw. I've seen Halloween's TV edit probably more times than I've seen the actual thing, just from catching it on TV. So I do have. I do have a soft spot. I didn't realize on the Blu-ray there were some TV edits of Prince of Darkness. I'll have to watch those. But it's just the opening too. It's not the whole yeah, film. That is really weird to do. That is an odd take on that to just switch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just pretend it never happened. Yeah. Just change the whole thing. Have you ever seen the Sandman cut of Halloween? The Sandman. It's a bootleg. Um, I've heard of this. I don't know. What what was the difference? It's basically, it's Halloween 1 and 2 kind of edited together as one movie with some of the TV scenes added into it as well. Oh, yes. Yes. I have have not watched it all together, but yeah, I've heard that there's some some fan cuts of that. I'd probably like that. Yeah, there's a retailer. He he makes them online. I got that from him, and he also did the, uh, he had the whole bloody affair, the Kill Bill. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Too. Which was never released here. God, man. There's like a, one of the few Holy Grails I'd love to have, like, the the whole bloody affair in 4K. That would be uh, something that would make me happy for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, all right. I just know, I think, I think I think as you said on your channel, well, I'm sounding really creepy now. <laughs> but like, Halloween's, like, one of your favorite films. Oh, Halloween's. So. Yeah, I, I've got a display case over here. Again, podcasting, not a visual art. But um, <laughs> I do, I've got... I've got Michael Myers, the the busts that I've had people create yeah. with for the 2018 movie, for the original. I've got all the box sets. I've got my mm. the Funko Pop sign. John Carpenter signed him on the head. Um, <gasps> what? That's so cool. I've got my 35th anniversary <laughs> Halloween Blu-ray that he signed and made it out to me. And um, he nice. signed my poster of The Thing. He's, yeah, I mean, he's, Holy he's my guy. So, yeah, I've got a big, <laughs> nice. I've got a whole Halloween thing going on over i saw there. you had a halloween 3 poster up too, oh yeah but, oh, behind me have halloween 3 is sneaky one of my favorite horror movies um nice and yeah i've got the halloween 3 i halloween. think i have a new best friend oh, oh no. it's chris is about to kick it's so it's so good I, I i tweeted this at one point it blew up and oh my god i'm forgetting her name she does last drive-in with joe bob 
and uh, she she okay. retweeted it, and I was like, wow. All right, Dinah Prince. Yes. I was like, okay, I, I made it big in the horror world. Nice. <laughs> she shared it on her Instagram story. But I said, like, <gasps> if, if you take Halloween 3 away from that and just say Season of the Witch, like, this is an all-time horror movie if people yes. don't have to associate it with the franchise. Absolutely. It's got a bad rap for not having Michael Myers, which is dumb because, like, okay, he's yeah. not in it. Get over it. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> I think they should do that again. Try it again now. Try the anthology again I now. Kind of thought they were for a little bit with that last Halloween movie that just came <laughs> out. I didn't know what they were doing, but it would. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for it. Do the anthology thing. I love all good horror anthology. Oh, uh, on my other show, we did a whole thing of uh, horror anthologies because we're both. Big. I love the old Amicus ones. Any that are you know the Tales of the mm-hmm. Crypt, the the originals, not the, like the movie, but the. Yep. Uh, I mean, not the HBO series. I should say. But. Well, wow, Prince of Darkness. All right. <laughs> I'm a bad influence. I'm sorry. It's what we do. Oh, <laughs> no, no, God, no, no, no. It's kind of what we do. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it happens. It is, it is part of the game. Um, so I have a couple lines that I wrote down that I just thought were cool and I just want to speak them to, to mm. y'all right now. Um, <laughs> I have like simultaneous, like a really like, ooh, good line and the funny line. I have a, the hardest thing to hear for any of us is something we don't agree with. I was like, oh shit that's good that actually is meaningful and then the next thing i wrote down is a thing like this can really fuck up your weekend (laughs) and (laughs) i just love that those two lines are being spoken in the same film probably like 10 minutes apart you know we go all over it's a range of tones in this film you know what i think of that this is caca (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, no, I, yeah. I felt that way too. Like, there's some real serious moments, and then, mm-hmm. and then you bring in Walter, and all of a sudden, it's kind of, it's like a goofy horror comedy. And then in the other in yeah, the other room, I, people are being spit on and turned into demons, and he's like, "Oh, yeah, oh what's going on over here, guys? Dig me out of this closet! Like, this is crazy!" And everybody, everybody's taking it very seriously, except for Walter for some reason. Well, I don't understand what he's doing, but then there's also the moment where they're going to watch like creepy disintegrating man out the window mm-hmm. and so everyone runs to the window and one by one by one they all get behind each other and put their hands on the next person's <laughs> shoulder and it is so scooby-doo and hilarious and i was like actually laughing and i'm like oh this is supposed to be very serious and then his head falls off while they're watching him out the window and i'm like but they all like creeped up like oh let me lean on your shoulders mm. and it's it's very odd. It does remind me of like some weird 80s aggressively budget Italian horror films like with just where you're like, what's happening here? This is somebody yeah. pretending to be a human. It's a little bit of that and not in the possession parts in the part where they're supposed to be normal. They're acting a little weird. All I can say is just <laughs> wait for the next episode. When we tackle, they live. If you, yeah, if you like this stuff now. Yeah, yeah it is. It's very... It's campy. There's a lot of campiness, oh, yeah. which is odd because they ch- we're talking quantum physics and <laughs> and Satan, and then it's like mm-hmm. with camp. But the campiness is almost like not supposed to be there, but it is right. just because certain people made a choice when they delivered lines. Like it, it's yeah. yeah, the performances are not. Uh, like why doesn't he rein that in at all? Why I, doesn't he? There's even a part in the commentary where I guess there's a scene where they're all. There's one of the scenes where they're almost all around the table. I think there's been three or four people infected at this point. Mm. And Peter Jason says, yeah, this is a scene when you got really mad. It took us like 11 takes because somebody kept screwing up one line. And he said he couldn't remember and they wouldn't say who it was. Don't you take like Dunn aside and say, hey, could you 
like pump the brakes a little bit on this? Can you? <laughs> but no, I I don't. Sometimes I feel he just kind of lets things go. Well, right? I mean, yeah. he, never he wrote it too, right? So, yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. Why? How much of it was his? I don't know. Like, I would. Yeah, is Kaka in the script? I. <laughs> <laughs> was Kaka on the page? That's a great question. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it really does. And then, and then the funny everything Donald Pleasant's done is is so serious. So he's so serious yeah. about everything. And then you, <laughs> then you cut back to like Scooby Doo and the crew in the other room. And it's, like, <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. And he's totally yeah. he is so separate from everybody in that movie too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I do want. I was watching it and I was like. I bet they got him for like three days in a big chunk of cash and he was in and out and he like, and they had to shoot his scenes and he's not really with yeah. anybody else. And he was like, all right, peace. See you later. This was fun. Cause he doesn't really interact and he's so serious. And then the, and the professor is so, and then, you know, like what is going on? There's so many from, from scene to scene, the tone is wildly different. Hmm. Yeah. They also just don't notice as people are going missing right. for like what, amounts to like probably six or eight hours yeah they just like the guy who gets stabbed finally 37 minutes in nobody ever goes and looks for him like they eventually see his body on the floor but like no one's ever like where's that guy like there was no concern at all for where half these characters ended up and they they keep going like where's susan you know susan with the glasses yeah because that that's (laughs) the only name i remembered is because they kept saying susan with the glasses but very very casual for spending a night in a haunted church basement with Mm. with unknown green ooze and (laughs) in the candles that have apparently been lit for millions of years and never replaced like i i kept thinking that the whole time too how stupid is this but this is my mind i was like was 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 that priest going down there and changing those candles out when they ran out or are those just perpetually magic candles? Because that's a lot of candles to swap that, out. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was like a, that was not a, a deserted room. No. That is not a room that has not no. seen a human. He, he was at like Yankee Candle every weekend. <laughs> why does, here's one thing I can never figure out too, is why does Kelly get infected by bumping into a cart? <laughs> like, is the cart thing possessed? Tri- is the machine- I thought that, when well, the first time I ever watched it, I thought that was an accident that they left in. Until later on, right. I realized it was a major plot point. <laughs> I was it's like, this so makes weird. no sense. It's, I feel like it would just would have taken like a couple of conversations to kind of figure out another idea. Something besides, well, she bumped her elbow. Uh, like, come up with something. Yeah, have, like a, uh, have her get too close and like a little drop of the green stuff falls in her arm. Boom. There you go. Like... Yeah. And it, it, it does infect other people directly. Yeah, like why is she special? I, like... I don't know. To to get, you know, like kind of goo pregnant instead of. <laughs> they only had the one blonde wig. I have no idea. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. It just there's a lot of attention and a lot of effort into some things. And then other things are like, eh, this is good enough. It's good enough. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Mm. You're like, but I have a question. And he's like, I don't know. What do you want from me? <laughs> so It's probably why it's... it makes for such a great background movie, like you mentioned, Chris, because it is yeah, just like, maybe. it's so, it is very That's atmospheric and it has great music. And you, you could just put this on in the background of a Halloween party and it would work really well as long as you're not paying yep. too close attention because then it starts to kind of break down. 
Yeah. No, this this is a perfect group of people watching the movie while people just keep having conversations. Like yeah. this is perfect for that cuz it's it's the atmosphere. It's exactly it's the synth, it's the unease, it's the fantastic styling and just 80s as fuck aesthetic going on. It is an environmental film mm-hmm. in that in that effect. It's it's a good yeah. environment. Not not so not so good with the like write down every plot point and make it all make sense. Not important. So Jeff, I wanted to ask you about the 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 4K on this. If you did this for your show, I apologize to make you revisit That's this. All right. But I I think for me, one of the big things I I enjoyed about one of the big improvements for me was not just a picture, which I like I said is much better. Um, and we talked about Brian's mustache, so I can put that. To <laughs> I think the the Atmos track is really good. I heard sound effects and things in this film I have never heard before. Ooh. You know, and then also what I a lot of times I'll do is, especially at night, especially for a horror film, I have a nice pair of um, um, Sennheiser kind of headphones that I'll link to my system to play that way too, mm-hmm. with a fake surround. Yeah. You know. And it, I just, like I said, I heard stuff I'd never heard before. It was much clearer. I don't know. I think that the Atmos track on this is really strong. Yeah. No, it, it is. And it obviously, I mean, right off the bat, you feel the the score is a lot more in your face and that's stronger. And then as you go on, that's sort of the beauty of the the whole Atmos remastering of audio is like that they go back. Yeah. If you can go back to an original soundtrack you can pull these little things out that didn't get mixed well into like a two channel or even a five channel track and you can place them you know digitally with the software and with the the atmos technology within the room at different speaker points and it's yeah it's so so well done and the team that did they did this one they did they live escape from new york and the fog and they did an excellent job on all four I, i have all four of them in a pack together so oh, nice. if you if you want to watch any of the they're all excellent and it's a it's a company in France who did them all and they're they're really really well done. I've been going back and forth on upgrading They Live. I is it worth it's, it? Do you think? It's it's really good. The 4K is really uh, good. Just do it, Chris. Son of a bitch. Just it do it. Well, I'll tell you if you have. That's the only one I haven't upgraded that's available. Cause... Okay. I was going to say, if you haven't yet, that four pack was pretty cheap, but you have to get it from. I got it from Australia and it took. Is that the Studio Canal yeah. one? Is that the one that you were yeah. talking about at the beginning of the season, Chris? And I was like, the very just beginning do it. of the season, and I thought about. Like, but I, I had read that the Shout Factory encodes of the transfers are actually slightly better than the Studio Canals. They probably, if you want to go head to head and take a microscope out, yeah, but I mean. But I wouldn't really. Be able to see the they're they're both really good. Yeah, <laughs> see, you could have bought it on Amazon for like what thirty bucks for that's, all four. That's why I did. Point. I bought it before those other ones were even out. Because, but they don't have Atmos tracks, though. I thought uh, the Studio Canal set. I don't think it had Atmos tracks. That's what made me eventually not pull the trigger because they didn't have. Now maybe the Australian version you got did, but I thought the Studio Canals did not have Atmos. And that's why I didn't. Well, get I have it. both, so. I'll have to ch- I'll have to check now because I'm putting you on the spot. No, I'll have to check. You could <laughs> you could be right. I mean, I don't quote me on this stuff. I did it. I I did this a while ago. And it's not like you do dozens of these like on a almost weekly basis. <laughs> this one was. So I can't uh, remember when I did this one last year. Yeah. All right. Well, I've been I haven't gone back. You might be right. Oh, there, we have a great little local video store here in Tampa. Oh, nice. Very few of so, those. So and I, I know he has it. Yeah. Yeah. I just bought so much stuff, though. No, you're right. I'm looking at it now. You're right. The Australian one doesn't, but I think maybe that's... See, I have so many, I don't even remember why I bought them. 
So sure. that's probably <laughs> why I bought the U.S. version too was to, was to get that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen the U.S. version of They Live, but the one I have seen, excellent. Yeah, because I, I just bought Texas Chainsaw Massacre that forty four k. I just bought the Friday the Thirteenth because like eleven twelve bucks on Amazon. Mm. So you can't stop. <laughs> you can't stop. It's fine, but you shouldn't stop at Carpenter. You should keep going. And speaking of how freaky and crazy I am, I (laughs) just bought Sarah McLaughlin's Fumbling Towards Ecstasy on vinyl because I just saw her last week. So um, horror and Sarah McLaughlin, I think two things that yeah, yeah, I get it. Really well, I I get it. Yeah, those commercials. (laughs) That's absolutely horrible. Those are the most horrifying things on TV. So I'm with you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are we uh, are we ready to dive into the score corner and get all the way into all things? auditory yeah i think jeff is entirely right i think that the score in this film uh it isn't always the case in carpenter's films but this one it's relentless yeah it sets the tone from the very beginning and it's one of my favorite scores by him um i've owned this on a couple different formats so i've uh, always been a big fan of this one and i think this is the first time too he really used uh he included samples of uh, a chorus. So there's this choral sample that runs through it that really adds an extra dimension of creepiness throughout the whole thing. Yeah, Prince of Darkness is one of my favorite Carpenter scores. Jeff, what about you? It sounds like you're a fan. Yeah, no, it, it is. like Relentless is a good word for it. Like I said, I, I don't mm-hmm. think he shuts off for the first 20 or 30 right. minutes. Like You're, you're kind of waiting for the transition. You're like, all right, eventually we'll just have some dialogue. And he's just like synth in your face this is happening like <laughs> i'm john carpenter and this is my music and i swear sometimes he makes movies to make the music for them like he's like i got oh, a yeah. cool idea but the music's gonna be super dope and that's what i want to make this movie for so he, he goes and does <laughs> I'm that sure because it, it i'll tell you even i watched it i watched it with well my wife was in the room and I think she came in and she said, is that a John Carpenter movie? Because <laughs> like she recognized it and she hasn't seen all of them, but like she knows his stuff and it's, it's kind of an iconic score. I mean, the soundtrack itself is, is excellent. Like I, I yeah. think I have the vinyl of this one because it is so good. I know mm-hmm. I have a bunch of his vinyl. I'll have to check if I did get it, but it is just, it's constant. Mm-hmm. You're, you're. You never escape the Carpenter isms in this movie with the score. It is mm-hmm. in your face for ninety minutes or however long the movie is. There, I mean, there must be less than twenty minutes of the movie that don't have something playing over right. it and loudly too. This is not background noise. This is like <laughs> it's it's bumping the whole time. Yeah, yeah, it's moving the action and ratcheting up the uh, tension, yeah. and it does get stronger and faster yeah. as to get closer to the rocket towards the conclusion, if I may. Yeah. What about you, Juan? I was reading that he has a this. I think like the soundtrack, which is mostly the score for this, is like two hours long. But like the movie's not right. two hours long. <laughs> like he's got he's got more music than he does movie. And uh, like from the instant the film starts, the score is there and it does not quit. And it is absolutely in your face the whole time, completely setting the tone. It's. It's fantastic. It was really well. Great. The original, yeah, the original soundtrack. I almost think is a travesty because it edits down so much of it. Like the beginning, the original soundtrack is like four minutes, but the full version is over nine. 
And uh, so, yeah, they did finally release like a complete special edition of it on CD years ago. So you can buy it even now. And uh, but it's it, it, what's fun is that it has the full version and it includes the original soundtrack oh. release as well if you want both. And there, it's also available on Apple Music and Amazon. You can buy it digitally too, though. I would I would lose a little respect for you if you want the digital ones. You love your physical, but uh, yeah, yeah, I know. There you go. I know. I feel like embarrassed to tell you guys that I rented this on Amazon Prime. Ouch. I'm sorry. Did, I'm really sorry. Did it at least play in HD? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Nice and compressed. Isn't Amazon, what's the worst? Amazon's the worst, right? When it comes to their compression, I think it is. I or... think it's hit or miss. I think they're sourcing from all different places. So I think sometimes you get some crap and sometimes it looks okay. Yeah. It looked okay. It looked all right. Am- it didn't look as good as I'm sure what you guys saw. Amazon's up there. Netflix is kind of rough depending on how many people are watching it because they'll dip your, your quality. Yeah. Sh- Shutter is actually, sadly, because I love Shutter, is the worst. <laughs> they don't even stream anything at 1080. Oh. <gasps> Oh, yeah, wow. everything. It's HD, but it's 720 HD. Everything on their service and their whatever versions they have are not even like close to the latest. A lot of the stuff that's older is really rough. But then weirdly, they'll get like possession and they'll have like the new 4K <laughs> scan of that, but it's playing at 720. <laughs> so it's like, eh. Oh no. Yeah. Mm. It's mm. anyway. But I I still love Shredder for what they're doing. Oh you yeah. Know? So I, it's 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 a yeah, a little frustrating, but yeah. Okay. So, yes, what? No, maybe. Go ahead, Juan. Are we ready to choose our favorite performance in this film? You, you can't choose the score, just by the way. That's, that's and I out can't of the say running. ensemble? No, you have to choose. You can, you can go first because you don't have a clear answer, Chris. <laughs> who, who, who well, does I think there's only one answer, so I don't want to. You've said that multiple times, and that is rarely the case. If it, Go ahead. It's Don, it's Donald Pleasance. I think he's the anchor of the film, even though, like Jeff said, it feels like he's picking up a check for three days. <laughs> he still delivers. And he still does what Donald Pleasance does. He's going to give you a rock-solid performance. And even though there's, at times, this ridiculous stuff happening all around him, he <laughs> makes you buy it. Yeah. This metaphysical alien reverse image of god type thing coming to destroy the planet if not the galaxy what i don't know mm-hmm. but Who you know says stars. it you're like yeah I, I can see that yeah i can see that sure yeah he is quite good in it jeff who who you got who gives your favorite is it is it donnie p as well um, <laughs> the, just don't start calling him dp well, I, 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 would never, I would never i would never i mean if if i base favorite performance off of one line it's i think i believe Lomax, who says caca, and that just stands out to me as this is caca. the greatest thing in the movie. Um, I, I, re- I really liked uh, Lisa Blunt, though, that Catherine Danforth, uh, mm. by, by the end, like mm. at the beginning, I'm rolling my eyes and I'm like, geez, what happened to that guy you were just walking out of the store with and mustache boy over here just, you yeah, know, what happened to him with a lopsided mustache just sucks you right in <laughs> two minutes later. You know what's what's going on? This guy's kind of creepy. I don't know. I didn't get her. Uh, I didn't get her character, but the way she progressed a little bit, the way she kind of takes on the 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 ending, kind of seals the mm. deal for the movie having any redeeming qualities after the beginning. So <laughs> if she is in that way, she kind of saves it a little bit. So I'd probably give it to her. Although I do, I love Donald Pleasance. So I mean, yeah. who who doesn't? But like. I literally would watch him like make breakfast. Uh, I mean, it's, <laughs> he's the best. You ever see the uh, Mystery Science Theater episode Puma Man? Mm, no, he's uh, 
Mm-mm. Yeah, he's placed <laughs> he's placed a bad guy in that. It's a it's a classic episode of the show, but he always says Puma. <laughs> Puma man. Oh, love it. Donald Pleasance gives my favorite performance as well. But it was it was really tough because I really did like Susan with the glasses. I did I did like what she was giving. <laughs> <laughs> That's her name, Susan with the glasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's just right here on Wikipedia. Yeah. Susan, Susan with, the, with glasses. the glasses. Yeah. Just just not Dennis Dunn. <laughs> just, yeah. That's uh, uh, that's, that's my least favorite performance. Just, but in yeah. in a different movie, he could have been great. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Just, I would watch that movie cut, too. Just if you gave him a short film or like a Dennis Dunn trapped in the closet, <laughs> like and he did his own little short, like that could be right? that could be great. But it, yeah. it just doesn't it doesn't or, fit. <laughs> Jack Burton breaks down outside the church and comes knocking on the door looking for a phone. <laughs> yeah. It could happen. Okay. We're going to we're going to rate this film here and Rotten Tomatoes has this movie at 61% fresh from critics with a matching 61% audience score. That's kind of rare, but that's that's not how we do our ratings here. We do it on a synth scale and we rate on a scale of 1 to 5, half synths only. Basically, same as Letterbox. Like that's that's how you do it. So uh, I'm I'm just gonna start with with mine here. I'm giving it three and a half synths. It's creepy. It's scary. The vibes are immaculate. But at a certain point, we're just kind of doing a little standard kill off a big crew of people, and then it it redeems itself at the end. But in the middle, it, it dips a bit. And just for for context on the season, this is the same score I gave Escape from New York. So. Mm. Yeah, Ooh. three three and a half for me. Yeah, Escape from New York did not do it for me the way I thought it would. But three and a half, so- solid stuff, but a bit inconsistent. Uh, Jeff, okay. we'll let you go last so that you can bring us home. Uh, Chris, what's your rating okay. for this film? Same. Three and a half. I- I'm coming at three and a half. Whoa. Yeah, I there, I think there's a lot of stuff in this that I enjoy. It is, but it, I, I, like you said, both of you and Jeff, did, you know that in the, it, it kind of drags a bit in the middle. Mm. Yeah. There's a, a little more to critique in this one than some of the other films, but uh, there's still enough here that I, I enjoy it. It's still engaging. Uh, I still have a lot of fun with it, but mm-hmm. just my boy and his caca. It's just stuff. <laughs> there's too much of that in this film. There's just too much of it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, Jeff, what do you say? What's your score for Prince of Darkness? Yeah, I was going to go with the three, and okay. I'm a little bit... I'd say I'm a little bit harder on this because and I don't think you guys you guys are doing this chronological order, right? Yes. So you yes. have not gotten to In the Mouth of Madness, but no. <laughs> I have not yet. I, I, I'm looking on my scale and I'm going, where do I rank Carpenter in like cosmic mm-hmm. horror? And that one I rank very highly. So this one I dip yeah. a little bit below that. I give it a three. It, it, it is still okay. it's solid. Yeah. It's it's effective enough. It's it's fun to watch. It's a it's a shut your brain off and you know put it on in the background type movie and enjoy it. And the music is great. So I can never knock mm-hmm. that. Like that's worth watching alone. But yeah, it's just a little like a little disjointed. Um, I should almost give it an extra half point for the cucka, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll hold it a three. Perfect. Perfect. So our last rating that we do is a uh, special just for John Carpenter this season. So he's famously kind of acknowledged that, some films are a passion project, some films are a paycheck, and some films are something else altogether. So we're going to uh, give our score, each of us, on a scale of 0 to 10, 
How many fucks did John Carpenter give about the making of this film? So, uh, Chris, do you want to start us off here? Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there are parts of this where I think he's very invested in what's going on mm-hmm. with the creationist thing. But there are other times, too, like where we even heard it. So I just thought it was a good idea. <laughs> he doesn't I seem to want to bother to wrangle Dennis Dunn in, in any capacity. Right. So I'm... What have we done before? I, I know. Because I, I don't... I mean, I, I don't think he's... I mean, this isn't like Memoirs of an Invisible Man checked out. So I feel like I'm coming in at Hertz. <laughs> I'm going to say, I don't know. I'll say seven with a seven. leave to reinterpret, but I'll say seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same that you gave Christine. Yeah. All right. That feels right to you? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Jeff, how many fucks do you think John Carpenter gave about making this movie? I actually I had seven in my head as well. Um, that was that was going to be my number because, I mean, there is sort of a he definitely cares. Like we you talked in the beginning about how like this was this was his sort of fuck you like I'm going independent. Like mm-hmm. he he cared about this one and he wanted to make money off of it and wanted to prove you know I've still got it. And, yeah. you know studios don't know what they're doing. I've still got it, but yeah. it sort of feels like he wrote a good. 30 or 45 minutes and wrote some really cool music and then was kind of like yeah that's good enough and then uh i'll just let the cast kind of walk around the church for (laughs) 40 minutes and i'll fill in the rest so yeah it feels like he he was definitely like in his own head and cared about this one but then almost Mm -hmm. like he almost cared too much he was almost in his own head too much to pay attention to like performances and like other stuff that a director has to pay attention to i was gonna say it's like when you're so hungry that you stop being hungry Mm. it's it's mm-hmm. like that feeling of how much he cared it's like it was so his thing that then he just got past it all kind yeah. of well, there's one final thing too in the commentary that i thought was interesting so the scene with the when when your your caca guy turns into the, <laughs> the, the, the becomes the bug body and he collapses yeah. and I, I listen listen to this that's a disgusting movie <laughs> this is that's carpenter <laughs> In that bug scene, saying this is disgusting, but there's like a there's a there's a hint of kind of like, hmm. I don't like this movie. Listen to it. That's a disgusting movie. It's That's so funny. Though. He's almost slightly like oh, this is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. I think he likes yeah. the idea of the movie, but maybe didn't like the way it ended up. Possibly. Yeah, I'm gonna give slightly fewer fucks on this one than you guys. I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna put him at a six because. He definitely did not um, think of a middle. And, and and this is something that we've kind of talked about in some of his other films is like, it's okay if you can't do everything yourself. So like, don't. Yeah. Don't, like have yeah. somebody else punch up your script, mm-hmm. especially if you're already putting it under a pseudonym. Like, ha- like you, you can crowdsource that, man. You can have some input with people. You know, you can tell Dennis Dunn to, to cool it a little bit. And, and I think... Because it's not a studio film, because there's not like this big, what is this going to do to the rest of my career from here? This is like, nah, I'm going out on my own. Got investors. We're going to do our own thing. I don't think there was much interest in like, what is this actually going to be when it's over? And and so that's why I'm I'm docking him a fuck and he's going down to six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, Fair. Uh, I'll allow it. Thanks. Thanks for your for your permission. <laughs> um, this will be this will be plotted. In a, in a chart at the end of the season. I'm excited to watch it. All right. 
well, I think, I think we've covered it. I think we, we did it, man. Um, thank you, Jeff. Thank you for being yes. here. Yeah. Um, so I know, I know you've got a video on Prince of Darkness, so we'll pop that into the show notes so people can check it out where you talked all about that. So, uh, uh, in addition to that, where can where can all our lovely listeners find you and your show? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you if you search films at home on pretty much any platform, um, I think you'll all the socials. I think you'll find me. Yeah, YouTube, um, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. There's a LinkedIn page if you if you please. Um, I what? mean, I've got it all. <laughs> um, and then yeah, the the films at home podcast. So we keep it very on brand. That's that's it. Yeah. I didn't. They were like, hey, come up with a name for your podcast. And I was like, well, here it is, the Films at Home podcast. Um, so you guys are more creative than I was. But um, <laughs> you can find it by searching Films at Home there, too, on, on any of the podcast apps. And, uh, yeah, I try to do as many uh, videos as I can a week. It's usually like two or three. But, I mean, I do have a a one-month-old now and a, an 18-month-old. Yeah. So I'm just, like, kind of running ragged. But, um podcast is every friday and a couple of videos a week and just try to keep up with things so if you That's like awesome. if you like collecting movies and all that the blu-ray and 4k and you know the the home entertainment type stuff physical media um some people criticize me for this but maybe your audience won't i'm very horror i tend to be horror focused <laughs> so if you if you lean that way i think you'll like my stuff even more but i do i mean i go. cover everything oh, yeah. so yeah, and, and an absolutely bananas collection, just, just insane. Thank so. you. I did just do a full video. If anybody wants to watch, uh, it. yeah, it's like, it's like ninety <laughs> minutes long. So strap in. But um, yeah, it's it's insane. It's made us move our house. So it's it's to yeah. that level. Wow, <laughs> I don't like you to get my spouse to. Well, I was like, that. we were in a three bedroom house, and one of them was the collection room, and my wife was pregnant, and I was like, well. We either need a bigger house or this is over. So I better I better find a house with a basement that also has three bedrooms so I can actually fit my children into a bedroom. There so, you go. Yeah, Smart. That's, these, I love it. These are the things we do for our collection. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You got to nurture your passion. Hey, there are worse it. problems to have. I can't complain. Mm-hmm. This is that's true. This is, a, this is a good spot right now. I'm happy. I had to condense a lot of my stuff oh. out of cases into binders. Oh, I have too. Because I just had too much. So I've got a box of 500 yeah. or so movies that need to go into a binder like sometime <laughs> this summer when yeah. I get some time. Man. You got to get Good an intern, you. man. Yeah, right? I would love an intern. <laughs> I'm just, there's nobody around me that cares about this stuff. <laughs> That's the truth. You're all online and I appreciate y'all for it. But in the real world, it's hard to find people who actually do care about this this thing right now. Yeah. So it's true. Thank you it's all rare. who do care. Absolutely. Yeah. You know what this you know what this show wasn't? This is caca. No, it wasn't caca. Oh, good. This episode was not I passed. Caca. So no. thank you, Jeff. Thank you was, for that. This was a blast. So Thank you, Jeff. Everybody go check out Jeff on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the places. Uh, you can follow us at Screen Run on Twitter. I'm at the Lady One, and Chris is at CG Scalzo. And you can find Screen Run anywhere the podcasts are. And we're on ScreenRun.fun if you just want to be you know, medium old school and listen on a browser, you can do that. Uh, wherever you're listening, if you can give us a rating, five stars, it will make me so happy. Leave us a review. Uh, tell a friend. So thank you again, everyone. And uh, next episode, we will be discussing They Live. Thanks, everybody. Take care.
more playing of the caca clip. Anything else we got to do? <laughs> I'm, I'm always down for that. That seriously is the one. That's the one thing that watching it, I just can't get out of my head. I'm like, this guy said caca twice, twice. in a movie, twice. in the same scene, and mm-hmm. and it wasn't a joke. No, like this was this was serious. Played it very he straight. Played yes. that so seriously. It's the most serious caca that's ever been said. Mm-hmm. And, and then his head falls off. And then yeah, and then he just <laughs> dissolves. So it's so strange. This is caca. 